Hello, everyone, and hallelujah, Jesus Christ. Just want to say welcome to the Miko One Show. I am the host, Overseer Estelle. I just want to say thank you for all the supporters, the listeners, the sponsors. If you have not supported our YouTube channel and subscribe, subscribe, and share the content, please do. The podcast, the Miko One Show, is podcast on everywhere. There's a podcast. Try Apple, Spotify, even Pandora. I love them all. It's anywhere, anywhere you see a podcast, the Miko One Show. Download and share the content as well. Well, today I just want to introduce the mighty man of God, Pastor J.P. Greer, who is coming from Sentinel for Christ. His powerful message today is Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you anyway. How to stay close to Jesus community. Once again, his message today is how to stay close to Jesus community. Welcome, mighty man of God. Hello, worldwide family. JP here from Sentinels for Christ. And I'm excited to be bringing you this message today about how to stay close to Jesus. And we're going to do two of these messages. Um, the first one is going to be entitled Community. The second one is going to be entitled Prayer and How to Talk with God. Today, it's all about community. Uh, we have had a phenomenal last six weeks at Sentinels for Christ. As we began to declare uh, uh, over our platform of the Internet that COVID equal fear and Jesus equal hope, we've had an incredible response. And I've had the opportunity to speak to hundreds of you um, through our messenger platform and see uh Scores of people accepted Jesus for the first time as their Savior. People make rededications. Um, so that's just a, a great occasion. And it's also an occasion to talk about how to stay close to Jesus. Because once we become a Christian, um, the joy is meant to stay, okay? But staying close to Jesus is different than becoming a Christian. So we're going to talk about that today. And it's about being involved in a community of believers. Now, how do we know that it's important for us after we get saved to be involved in the community of believers? Well, I think one of the most famous parables that Jesus ever taught gives us some insight on that. And it's the parable of the sower. And in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus talks about four different seeds. And the first seed um, it gets thrown on the path, if you remember. It doesn't even make it onto the field, and the birds come and swoop it up and take it away. The second seed falls upon ground, and because it's shallow ground, the seed has no root. So when it grows up and sprouts, the sun heats up, burns the plants, and they die. The third seed, well, it falls on the uh, field, but it falls on part of the field where it's choked out by competitive plants, um, and the weeds choke it out. So those plants die off too. But the fourth seed, Jesus says, is a seed which grows in the soil and it produces fruit. It produces a crop specifically, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100 times. Now, why would Jesus tell that parable? Well, one of the reasons is because just declaring our faith, if we just stop there, um, we're in danger of actually becoming a particular type of seed which doesn't produce fruit. We don't want that. We want to be seed producing Christians or fruit producing Christians. So the parable of the sower gives us a snapshot of that. But since we're here to talk about the church and the community of believers, let me define what I mean by the church, okay? So while we have buildings where we meet for service, that's not the church, okay? 
because those buildings over history, uh, over time they've decayed, they've fallen down, sometimes under persecution, they've been destroyed. We know there are countries in the world today that are bulldozing churches down. But the church, which is the community of believers that follows Jesus, lives on despite the building being there or not. So as we start talking about staying close to Jesus and being involved with the church, we're talking about a community of believers. And where do we get the best shot of what that looks like? The ministry of Jesus. That's right. Jesus ministry was always relational from the beginning. And if you remember, right after his temptation in the wilderness and he steps into his ministry, he immediately starts gathering disciples. And eventually we find out Jesus had 12 disciples that he poured most of his time in. Three were his best friends, James, John, and Peter. But there were also women that were primary to that ministry. The Gospel of Luke tells us about Mary Magdalene, tells us about Joanna, the wife of Cusa, who was part of Herod's court, her husband was. And there was also 70 others that Jesus considered leaders or the first missionaries because he sent them out in groups of two by two in the Gospel of Luke. But Acts chapter 2 tells us there was an even greater community of 120 by the time that Jesus died. Jesus was always involved in community. So his agenda was to establish a group of people that he lived in that reflected him so well that the world would look on and see it and they would want what they had. So Jesus recruited people or disciples. He trained them. He released them and he knew them and he knew them personally as individuals. You see the ministry of Jesus which is the ministry of the church, is relational, not religious. Remember that. The community of believers is meant to be relational. And as soon as we step out of relating to each other as human beings in the community of Jesus Christ, we start getting into trouble. But there's also a growth element that takes place when we link up with the community of believers because the way that Jesus set it up, he was the master teacher, okay? There was nothing deficient in him, and the disciples needed to learn from the master. In fact, before the 10th chapter of Matthew, where Jesus releases the 12 for the first time to go minister by two by two into the villages, they've probably spent a year with him. And the Gospel of Matthew tells us three different times in chapter 4, chapter 8, chapter 9, that in that process, before they released... Jesus was going through all of the villages. He was healing people. He was casting out demons, but he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So the disciples had to watch. They had to learn for a time before they were ready to be released by Jesus. And it's the same for you and me. None of us become a Christian and immediately have all the tools at our disposal that we implement perfectly and start spreading the gospel of the kingdom. There's a growth process Now, we want to immediately start telling people about our faith, but we're meant to grow, guess what, in community. Now, sometimes I hear people emphasize the fact that Jesus was alone, as if Jesus was some type of loner. Well, there was some times that Jesus spent alone. Let's talk about three of them. The first one is Jesus spent time in prayer alone. 
We find out the night before he chose the disciples, he went up on the mountain, he prayed all night. And there were other times that he went in the morning and spent time with the Father. And that's important for you and me too. We need to spend time by ourselves with the Father. No one can replace that intimate time of talking or praying, worshiping and having fellowship with the Father. So that was a time that Jesus was alone. Another time was Jesus' temptation before his ministry when he went through the fire and the preparation to become who he was meant to be. And no one can take that from you. Now, I doubt if it's going to be 40 days of fasting and walking through the desert like Jesus, but there is a preparatory time in your call from Jesus that no one can take away from you. And there was a third time Jesus was alone. He was on the cross when he died for the sins of the world because he was the only one who could do it. So he had to be alone. But other than that, everything that Jesus did was in community. In fact, the community of believers or the church was so important that the night before Jesus was arrested, when he was sitting around the table at what we call the last Passover, one of the things he said to the disciples was this. He said, they, meaning the world who didn't know me yet, will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. Now that love, loving one another, has to happen in community. So the argument for solo Christianity being practiced by itself, independent of a community of believers, falls short when confronted by the word of Jesus, okay? Now, the early church understood this because as we go into the book of Acts, guess what they're doing? They are practicing their faith in community. And isn't it interesting when the Holy Spirit decides to show up and manifest in a mass way? It's in community in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church, it's in community. When the church is, when the building is shaken after Peter and John are persecuted for the second time, and they come back and they pray, the church prays together, the whole building is shaken. It's a community of believers that's there. And when Philip goes to Samaria to spread the gospel and the Holy Spirit manifests again, it's in community. So there's also something about the manifestation of the power of God in the person of Holy Spirit that takes place in community. And if you're a solo individual or not linked up with the body of believers, you're not going to experience that. And that's really an important tool that God brings to the world to spread the gospel of the kingdom. But look at the work of the Apostle Paul. All through Acts, from chapter 10 towards the end, he's establishing communities of believers, what we would call a church or assemblies. And those first century churches, by the way, they weren't in buildings. They were in people's houses. So they knew each other pretty good because it was relational, not religious. Isn't it interesting that of the 26 books in the New Testament, 17 of them are written to church communities. It's community, it's community, it's community. Now, I want to just emphasize this by just taking a, a few verses from the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says the following. I'm going to grab my Bible here. It tells us that we are to encourage one another while it is still today. Well, encouragement is a huge part of our Christian faith. I need encouragement. I'm sure you do. That happens in community, relating to one another, loving one another, and accepting one another the way that God accepts us as well, not judging one another, okay? This is why Jesus said, don't judge. He knew that judging tears the community apart. Loving 
builds the community. Hebrews chapter 10 is one of my favorite verses for talking about church community. It reads this in chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. The writer of Hebrews tells us this. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to good deeds and love and not giving up on our gathering together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the writer of Hebrews knew that being together in community was something Christians were supposed to do. In fact, there's an admonition that he specifically says, don't stop meeting because he knew how important community was. Finally, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 tells us, and do, do not neglect to do good and to share with one another. So the implication is the sharing that's mentioned in that verse is in community in the church. It's sharing practical and material things, which are mission critical for the church. Now, if you haven't gotten the message and you're a new Christian, I'm telling you, you need to get involved in a community of believers. So you may ask me, well, Jim, how do I do that? COVID's not even letting us meet together. Well, there's a couple ways you can do it. Not all churches are completely shut down through the earth, okay? So find believers, okay? Most of you already know believers, as I even speak this message, that you can link up with. Make sure you're linking up with them on a regular basis and pray with them. You can pray for each other. You can pray for your community. You can pray for God's blessing over your community and your nation. That's the church expression itself. And break bread together and remember Jesus. That's the one sacrament he told us to do. But you might wonder, well, how do I know a church is a healthy church? Now, there are hundreds of denominations all over the face of the earth, and I'm not going to try and get into telling you which one's good and which one's bad, because that's beyond my pay grade, okay? But I can tell you this, that people who love Jesus love one another, and they're tolerant of one another, and they really do want to build one another up. You'll know these people when you see them. And there's another fruit that they always produce. They want other people to discover the Jesus that they've met. It's an unmistakable quality of a Christian. So that's probably the best advice I could give you on finding a church community. So you want to stay close to Jesus? Do it the way Jesus did. Get yourself involved in a community of believers. Next time, when we talk about staying close to Jesus, we're going to talk about prayer, what that looks like, how to experience it, and what Jesus modeled. So, JP, Sentinel for Christ, until again, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Until next time. Hey, family. I just wanted to take a couple minutes um, because I realized that some of you may have stumbled on this video and you actually don't have a relationship with Jesus. You haven't become a Christian yet. So I want to take a little bit of time to talk about that. And I also know that there are probably believers who haven't been going to church or for one reason or another, their relationship with God has felt very distant over a long time. Um, so I want to bless you and share just a couple pointers. First of all, I don't believe in random chance. So if you made it to this video, certainly to this far in the video and you don't know Jesus, the chances are God's been tugging on your heart because he wants you to have a restored relationship with his son, which is found through Jesus. Here's what the Bible says we have to do to have a restored relationship with God, the creator, our father. It's that we believe in his son, Jesus. And by believing in his son, Jesus, we believe Jesus was God's son, 
that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. And that's what the shedding of his blood was all about. And that he rose from the dead and he went back to the father as a great intercessor for us. And the Bible says, if we partner with that truth and we ask Jesus into our life to be our Lord and savior, that we're saved. That's all it takes. So you can pray a simple little prayer like this. It says something like, Jesus, I believe you're God's son. I believe you died in the cross for my sins. And I want to have a relationship with God, the father and you come be my savior. The Bible says that's all it takes. You're saved. You're part of the family of God. Now, for those of you who may be a professed Christian and for a while, your faith has felt disconnected. First John 1, 9 tells us this, that if we confess our sins or our state and we're authentic with God, that he, God the Father, is faithful and just to forgive us of all sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We put ourselves back in right relational standing with God. It's not a salvation issue. It's just sometimes we walk the other way from Jesus and all of a sudden our faith feels very distant from him. So all you need to do is say, Lord, I understand that this message today was to get me back into right relationship with you. I understand that Jesus has been my savior. But I want you now to know that I'm sorry for putting things between you and me, which caused a fragmentation of our relationship. And I want to get back in a right standing with you. Show me how to do that. God will be faithful and he will. So if you took Jesus as your personal savior for the first time today, welcome to the family of God. If you've been off for a long time and out of connection with the church, the message has told you what you need to do. Get back into a community believers and Welcome back, beloved. What's good, my good people? It's your bro, Guess Rut. I'm in the studio getting some work done, but I got to take a pause to let you know I support the Nicole One Show. And you should, too. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? She's everywhere. YouTube? Yes. Website? Check. You can even download the app. Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher. I don't even know what that is. iHeart, Apple, Google, Amazon. The host everybody's looking for your girl cricket what are you waiting for get on it man tell her I sent you the McCoy One Show that's where it's at
Sure.